In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about good spelling and grammar keeping you alive. Whippin' Dingle Dangle's out. <laughs> Whippin'. <laughs> Let me try again. Excuse me. In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about good spelling and grammar keeping you alive. Whippin' Dingle Dangle's out. Stupid baby names. Swiss cheese plot holes. And bread, milk, eggs, and other human things in our discussion of Breaking Dawn by Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Breaking Dawn by Stephanie Meyer. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened or watched the movies and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book or watch the movies and watch the movies. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like this show, or Twilight... So much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. <laughs> Watch the movies. Watch the movies. Claire, um, do we have magical powers? Because I'm pretty yes. sure we have magical powers. Every yes. single thing we talk about ends up being a new movie or a new TV show or something. And now there's speculation, rumors, plans for a Twilight TV show. Well, we should have known because, I mean, we got brand new vampire t-shirts, vampire baseball t-shirts from her universe, and they're just released. Yes. So we should have known something was in the pipeline. Yeah. I so mean, now. I feel like everybody's been talking about Twilight lately, and now here we are, the potential new TV show. Manifesting, we manifest these things. So I think we need to have a really long, hard think about what else we want to manifest into the world. I know we need to try for House of Night again, but I don't know how we could do that because we covered all of those books, all of them, even the novellas. Come on! (laughs) Is it because we didn't do them one at a time? Potentially. Potentially. I don't know. If anybody's got any suggestions on what we can try and manifest. How do we manifest a lottery win? I don't know. Or like, you know, a dead uncle who you've never met but is super rich and owns a castle and you get to have lots of money and wacky adventures in the castle. Yes, and also there's a vampire. Yeah. (laughs) Vampires come in castles these days, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Anyway. Five bedroom, three bath, vampire. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I found some background info for, it's actually for the movies, I guess. Uh, But this is from Stephanie Meyer's website, you know, back as these books and movies were coming out originally. And she's asked, I've heard you say that you think Breaking Dawn should be two movies. Why? Why? 
Also, that it might be impossible to film. What does that mean? <laughs> Love, so, sweetie, honey. Sweet. I'm just going to spill the, give you some hard truth. Breaking Dawn is not Lord of the Rings. That is hard to film. This is Breaking Dawn. It's about freaking vampires. Yeah, but can I tell you? But but you need to know why that it's impossible to film, and it's the best thing ever. Okay. Right. So just okay. Let me, Try and just, press me. Just with let this. me share this response. And remember, this is before the movies came out. If okay. Breaking Dawn were ever made into a movie, it'd be hard to imagine it fitting into 90 minutes. The book is just so long. I can't imagine how to distill it. If I could, the book would be shorter. But maybe a screenwriter can see a way to do it and still cover the crucial plot points. Okay, fine. So it was made into two movies. Fine, we know this. But this is the good part. When I said that Breaking Dawn might be impossible to film, it's because of Renesmee. <laughs> you can do almost anything with CGI these days. Realistic dragons and dinosaurs and endless amounts of non-existent creatures that blend right in with the real elements. Some of them look so real you forget they're not. However, the one thing that I've never seen is a CGI human being who truly looks real. An actress can't play Renesmee, at least not when she's a few days old. She's the size of a baby, but her expressions are totally controlled and aware. She would have to be a construct. And CGI isn't quite there yet. Of course, they develop amazing new technologies every day, and we've got a little time left. But I just love her already. She's like, there's no way it could happen because it would be a fucking terrifying robot monster. And then that's what it was. <laughs> Megan is more huggable as a robot monster than what Renesmee is. Yeah, even when she's murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so oh. I really enjoyed finding that little bit of information and it just... It's it so made... relevant to this week's Witcher oh, Rather so... as well. I know, I know. It's, it's perfect. It's so perfect. Um, but I would also... I guess my initial thoughts, and it's not initial thoughts, it's just something that I want to share and that I'm going to have to share it on, you know, all of our social media and stuff. And I made you watch it. Do you, do you remember me making you watch that video that I did as a program for the library where we retold Breaking Dawn Part 1 in like five minutes? <laughs> I, just oh, keep, gorgeous. I just keep thinking about it all the time and I really want to share it with the world again. So to. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to do that. And everyone will get to see a very, very young Amanda. Like mid-20s. It was a long time ago. I would even say, after recording, it needs to be posted on the Patreon page first and let them have this exclusive until right. after the episode is released. You're right. You're, right. You're 100% right. However, we do share these videos pretty much immediately after they're recorded so everyone can have time to watch and listen well just watch not listen for um before vampire book club so yeah i'll just we'll just share it in our group chat yeah not even put it on the patreon page just share it in the group chat and make them all watch it they'll definitely do it then <laughs> watch it or vampire book club is not happening on tuesday <laughs> <laughs> Oh, punishment. (laughs) 
All right. <laughs> That's good stuff. Okay. Do you have any initial thoughts? That I'm going to say that that was my initial thoughts. It's fine. <laughs> um, probably following on from the last one where I said it was my least favourite. This is probably, apart from the first book, my favourite. But not yeah, because of I, I guess at all. I guess that I had forgotten about this one and everything that happens in the book. So after our last discussion where I was like, yes, Eclipse is my favorite, I I think, you know, in my aging and maturity that maybe Breaking Dawn has now become my new favorite. Oh, I, 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 I like Midnight it just because Sun, Jacob because clearly... stops being a wine little bitch. That's my main yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's begin. Yes, please. This one is actually broken up into three books as well. Inside the one book. Two, two movies, three books. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. So, book one. <laughs> Bella and Edward are getting married. Soon. Mm. Bella drives through Forks in an exceedingly fancy gift from Edward. A half million dollar Mercedes that is tank proof, at least. Why Bella needs that kind of car, no one knows, and she finds it embarrassing. But her truck died, so what are you going to do? On her drive, Bella sees missing posters for Jacob put up by smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie since he doesn't know that Jacob got so sad about Bella and Edward's engagement that he decided to wolf through Canada. When she gets home, Bella calls Seth, Edward's new tiny baby werewolf BFF, to see what Jacob is up to using his wolf mind powers. But all he knows is that he's still in Canada somewhere being a sad wolf. <laughs> He's in a Tim Hortons getting a coffee and some Timbits. <laughs> After talking to Seth, Bella reminisces about the time just a few weeks ago when she and Edward told Smoke and Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that they were getting married. At first, he's like, you're preggers. But then they convince him that they don't want to live together in college at Dartmouth without being married on account of Edward being a classy gentleman from 1918. <laughs> Smoke and hot Billy Burke slash Charlie is totally fine with this, but decides that as punishment, Bella has to call and tell her mom. Renny is totally fine with this and tells Bella that she's always been a middle-aged woman, so it's fine that she's getting married already. She comes to Forks to help with the wedding. <laughs> it's totally fine for your 18-year-old daughter to get married. It's oh, fine. Man, you're 18, but you've always acted like you're a 48-year-old, so it's fine. You know what I want to say? I'm pretty sure they're just gold diggers because they know that the Cullens have a lot of money. And, I mean, Edward just gave Bella, seriously, a $500,000 Mercedes at least. Just gave it to her. Just fine. So I'm pretty sure that they're like, hell yeah. You marry that guy, you take all his money, and then you run. I swear that's what they're doing. At they're least with Renny, I think that's true. Yeah, probably not smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. No, he's just bothered by fish. Yes. Okay, back in present day, you know, like two weeks later. It's the night before the wedding. 
Bella and Edward are snuggling in bed, and she asks about his promise to have sex with her while she's still human, and he still doesn't want to. And he also doesn't want to take away her ability to have a baby, but she's not interested in that. She's not interested in that pointed look at Renesmee. Emmett and Jasper show up soon and take Edward away to his bachelor party where they plan to eat mountain lions and not strippers. That's nice. (laughs) As she's falling asleep, Bella thinks about the wedding guests and werewolves and humans and how beautiful all the vampires are and how she's playing. Especially compared to Tanya and Kit from the Denali clan because remember, Tanya was maybe going to be Edward's mate but, well, that didn't work out. Then she remembers a story that Carlisle told her about Tanya and Kate and Irina, who still hate Bella and the werewolves because the werewolves killed Laurent. A long time ago, the mother of the Denali clan created an immortal child, which is expressly forbidden. We have all seen Interview of the Vampire. We know all (laughs) about Kirsten Dunst. The Volturi came and, much better told in the movie, so we'll pretend that's exactly how it happens, Jane throws the creepily smiling baby onto the bonfire. We all laugh because lol. And then they execute the mother. Bella dreams that night of an immortal child and the Volturi coming for it and she wants to keep it safe. But then she looks down and sees that the baby has eaten all of her human friends and family. Oh, so good. It's wedding day! Bella is whisked away to the Cullen house, and Alice and Rosalie help her get ready. Renee and Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie give her a wedding gift, her grandmother's antique hair combs, and then they leave to let Bella finish getting ready. Bella's curious about where Edward is taking her for their secret honeymoon, but Alice assures her that she packed everything she'll need for the surprise trip. After seemingly no time at all, Bella's walking down the aisle with smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. The wedding is over in like three seconds of Bella practically drooling all over Edward and him beaming at her and it's a little precious. And then they kiss and it's over. Hmm. At the reception, everyone dances and has a great time. And it's not as awkward as the movie with Emmett's weirdly sexual speeches. But we can pretend that did happen. (laughs) Suddenly, Jacob appears. He wasn't at the wedding on account of him being sad in Canada, but he decided to show up after all. Bella and Jacob dance and talk about the honeymoon, which Jacob jokes won't be real because, you know, they won't have sex. But Bella's like, yeah, we totally are. And Jacob gets mad. Some of the rest of Jacob's pack show up to keep him from wolfing out in anger. Then Bella and Edward drive away for their honeymoon and she hears Jacob's sad, sad wolf house in the background. Bella's a little sad too because she resolves to never see her mom or smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie ever again because after her trip, she's going to be a vampire and will be very different and very dangerous. <laughs> after several flights and taxis and boat trips, Bella and Edward arrive at Isle Esme, a gifted island from Carlisle to Esme that she's letting them borrow. Bella is super nervous because she's about to have vampire human sex with Edward. She showers and shaves and brushes her teeth and all sorts of human things. Then she wades out nakedly into the ocean to stand with naked Edward. As is expected, we fade to black and wake up the next morning with Edward staring torturingly at Bella's bruised body, both of them covered in feathers. 
He's ashamed of hurting her, and she says she's not hurt at all. But he refuses to have sex with her again until she's a vampire. Just let her get on top for the love of fuck geez. Bella suddenly gets super hungry, so Edward makes her breakfast, and she eats at least four dozen eggs. Every day to help her get strong. Her on this reward island. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I'll have eggs. So today. many Ooh, eggs. What do we have? Eggs. Eggs. <laughs> well, Edward has a plan to stop Bella constantly wanting to have sex. He <laughs> takes her on a lot of adventures around the island, and if it's in the movie, they play a heck of a lot of chess. Which <gasps> all makes her super tired and super hungry for eggs. In between eating eggs and sleeping and adventuring, Bella schemes ways to trick Edward into having more sex, even promising to stay human for a few more years. But he refuses. Until he doesn't. Bella wakes up from another mortal child nightmare, crying, and pities Edward into having sex again. This time, he doesn't hurt her, and so then they start having a lot of sex. She needs a lot of eggs to eat. She does. So many eggs. She needs the energy. The cleaning crew comes in one day, and a woman, who is from the Tacuna Indian tribe in Brazil, is frightened of Edward because she suspects he's a vampire and that he's going to eat Bella. He's not, of course. That night, Bella has more nightmares about immortal children and the Volturi, but this time she's super protective about the immortal child and wants to fight the Volturi to keep the creature safe. She wakes up to a note from Edward that he's gone hunting, so she goes hunting herself in the kitchen for eggs. She's craving (laughs) all the food, so she cooks a million things and eats lots of stuff and then starts vomiting. Edward arrives then, and Bella realizes her period is late. Uh-oh! She's Pruggers! Oh, no! Oh, no! Pruggers! <laughs> Please see the terrible video I made for Pruggers. <laughs> it will make so much more sense to you then. Alice calls because she's seen a vision of Bella and her suddenly defined baby bump that is already kicking. Freaking, that's just scary. Carlisle takes the phone and tells them to come home immediately. And Edward, when he finally gets out of his stupor, agrees. Telling Bella that soon we'll get all that thing out of her. The cleaning woman comes again and sees that Bella is pregnant, puts her hands on Bella's belly and declares in Portuguese that'll be nothing but death. (laughs) No congratulations for the happy couple at all, just death. Nope. (laughs) Bella, who was already in love with this monster baby, calls Rosalie and asks her for help. Well, we all know that Rosalie once is a baby, so Bella knows she'll be on her side. And guess what? She is. She is. Oh. A baby. Oh, I just a want baby. a baby. Don't become a vampire because oh. of a baby. Baby. Now we begin book two, which is from Jacob's point of view. What? 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 And he has his own narrator in the audiobook. And it's so much better. It really is. (laughs) Okay. Jacob and Paul are hanging out at Jacob's house because, shocking to Jacob, Paul has imprinted on Jacob's sister, Rachel. Which, yes, Jacob has twin sisters. They're just grown up and out of the house. 
Since pretty much all of his werewolf buddies are imprinting, Jacob feels a little alone and still a lot in love with Bella. He spends some time thinking about how the Cullens are going to tell Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie that Bella died when she becomes a vampire. Alpha Wolf Sam decides that since Bella was making the choice to become a vampire and since the Cullens have been so nice to the Quileutes, they will not attack Bella or the rest of the vampires for breaking the treaty. That's pretty nice, but Jacob's pretty mad about literally everything right now, so he goes for a walk on the beach. And of course, while he's there, he spots another of his friends, Quill, who was the one who imprinted on the toddler. No. Yeah. They're at the beach too, looking for walks. Oh god, it's the baby language, it's horrible. <laughs> They're at the beach looking for walks. Green ones and red ones and blue ones. It's the worst part of the book. <laughs> Jacob asks Quill if he's going to try dating someone since, you know, he can't and shouldn't date a toddler. But Quill says he has no interest in anyone but toddler Claire. Quill suggests that maybe Jacob will be happier if he tried dating someone. But no, he's the same, except it's a grown adult. <laughs> he only has eyes for Bella. Speaking of which, Sam howls for the wolves to gather. He's just learned that Bella calls Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie to tell him they've come home from their honeymoon because she's got an exotic illness. Jacob is convinced that this is how they're going to explain her death and then he wants to go and kill all the Cullens for transforming Bella. So he rushes off to their house. No one goes with him though. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, how often do you go away on holiday and you drink the water and you get told don't drink the water but you still drink the water and you get the shits? That's what our exotic illness is. She's got the shits. Yeah. She ate too many eggs. And just every egg eggs. that she ate, she just has to shit it out. She's just eating eggs and constantly <laughs> shitting them out. Too many eggs and drinking the tap water. She's got the shits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when Jacob gets to the Cullen house, he's completely surprised to learn that Bella is still human. And she actually looks really, really sick. And he notices that Edward looks really, really upset. Rosalie is also hanging around Bella, which is weird because Jacob knows they really, really never got along before. Jacob asks Bella what's going on, and she reveals that she's really, really preggers. <laughs> Jacob gets really, really mad. Edward asks Jacob to accompany him outside. Preggers! This is really, really serious. <laughs> it's really, really Edward reveals that the thing inside Bella is killing her, but she won't get rid of it even though she's definitely going to die and Rosalie is acting as her bodyguard. Edward begs Jacob to convince Bella to get rid of the fetus and even suggests that she can have a baby with him if she wants a kid that much. Jacob is pretty tempted, but also thinks that Edward is offering to let him impregnate Bella. Is It's just gross. Yes, it is. He says he'll try to convince Bella to abort the fetus and then Edward tells Jacob he can kill him if they can't convince Bella to have his baby instead and she dies, which she totally will. Jacob is pleased with the thought of going to kill Edward. 
Jacob tries to convince Bella to end the pregnancy, but she is certain that she'll be strong enough to keep her heart beating long enough to give birth, and then Carlisle will be able to turn her at the last moment like he did with Esme, Emmett, Edward, and Rosalie. Jacob then offers to impregnate her instead, and she's like, nah, dog. And then Jacob gets sad. Nah, dog. He decides to leave and quit being in love with Bella. When he wolfs again, all the pack instantly knows about the monster baby, and they also agree that it's pretty gross and is definitely going to kill everyone since immortal children are insatiable. Sam declares that they need to kill it, and Bella too, if need be. Just an immediate change. No, keep them all safe, they're fine. Murder! Anybody else got whiplash from that about change? Whoa. Yes, immediate murder. Sam starts assigning the pack a member of the Cullens to kill because, you know, immediate murder. But yes, Jacob murder. and Seth, Edward's werewolf BFF, refuse. Sam uses his alpha powers to force them to obey, but then Jacob remembers that he's a double werewolf and should technically be alpha, so it's all maths and he just has to like suddenly break away from the rest of the pack as a lone wolf. Ooh. He rushes off to tell the Cullens to prepare for immediate murder <laughs> by the werewolf pack. <laughs> He's not a lone wolf for long, though. Shortly after he takes off at the Cullen house, he hears Seth's thoughts and realises that he left Sam's pack and is now part Jacob's. Together, they warn the Cullens and start a perimeter watch. This gets a little easier when Leah also joins the pack, even though literally no one likes her, which is pretty sad. Everything about Leah is just depressing as fuck. She makes me sad. Everyone hates her. She's all alone. I think we need to talk about her a little bit as well. Because you get a little bit (sighs) more of a story in this one. I think we need to... It's true. We'll say chat about her. Yeah. Carlisle and the rest of the Cullens are thankful to Jacob's new pack for protecting them. Carlisle explains to Jacob that the monster baby is destroying Bella because it steals all the nutrition she takes in by eating all the eggs before Bella can absorb any. Jacob thinks that the monster probably just wants to drink blood, and they all realize he's probably right. They pour Bella a fresh glass of blood and she gulps it down, finding it delicious. Color starts returning to her face, and she feels better almost instantly. But before we can celebrate too much, Seth and Leah howl for Jacob. Jacob walks out of the Cullen house and learns that some of the other pack, including his friends Jared Quill and Paul, are coming to talk to him. They try to convince Jacob, Seth and Leah to return to Sam's pack and tell them that the elders don't think they should kill the baby and Bella yet. Jacob, Seth and Leah aren't sure that Sam's pack is telling the truth. Plus, Jacob can't go back to the other pack anyway, so he decides to stay and protect the Cullens. This makes Jared mad, but, like, whatever. Jacob suggests Sam's pack stay on their land so no one will be forced to fight. Then he, Seth and Leah return to the Cullen house where Jacob finds Bella feeling much better. He informs them all that the immediate werewolf attack has been postponed. Excellent. check for werewolf murder. (laughs) Jacob and Edward go outside to chat and Edward tells Jacob that Esme wants them to move in or to feed them or to give them clothes or anything else they need since they're keeping their family safe but Jacob declines when they go back inside they learn that drinking all that blood has made the monster baby super strong and that it's broken one of Bella's ribs 
She claims she's still fine, though, and is pretty much just proud of how much the baby is growing, even though it's literally killing her. Most of the Cullens help Bella to Carlisle's at-home x-ray machine, but Alice stays behind to talk to Jacob. Alice reveals she doesn't like being around Bella right now because the fetus is clouding her future sight. For some reason, she can't comprehend. Alice cannot see the baby's future, and since Bella loves it so much, she is becoming foggy to Alice as well. Alice comments that it's interesting that she can't see the baby's future, and that it's kind of like her not being able to see the werewolves. Hmm. Funny that. Hmm. 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 The next day, Jacob visits with Bella, who's all taped up and claiming that she feels fine. So he decides to go hunting with Leah and will leave Seth with her and his BFF Edward. Carlisle asks if they can go hunting too, and Jacob thinks they can and that they should all go together. But they ultimately decide to hunt in groups just in case of imminent werewolf attack. Esme gives Jacob a bunch of stuff to give to Leah, but he doesn't think she'll want any of it. He tries to give her stuff, though, and is right. She doesn't want any of it, and she's completely selfish and rude to Esme, and I hate it. Esme's the nicest. I know. That's her superpower. She's got super (laughs) compassion. (laughs) Later, Jacobs decides he's going to tell the Cullens to leave folks so Bella will be away from imminent werewolf attack, but learns that another of Bella's ribs broke, so they won't be able to move her anyway. Jacob also learns that Bella's been talking to smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie about how much better she's getting, which makes him super mad because she's lying to him. Bella is just happy to see Jacob and says she feels like her family is complete when he's there. Oh, and it kind of feels that way too, but isn't happy Mm. about it, you know, since she's probably going to die. Yeah... After Bella goes to sleep, Jacob talks to Edward about Bella lying to Smokin' Hot Billy Bird slash Charlie. Edward says that Bella is going to try to continue to have a relationship with Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie because he thinks that Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie will just make up his own conclusions about why Bella looks completely different. That is interesting. And Jacob gets mad again. Edward shares that the monster baby might not be the only one and that there are legends from South America that there might be another human vampire child there. It's conveniently enough a Takuna legend, which is interesting. Why did we have that Takuna woman earlier and now it's a Takuna legend? It's just a little bit too convenient, I think. And I find it. Chekhov's Takuna legend. Chekhov's Takuna's cleaning lady. Yes. Yes. After a conversation comparing the baby to Jacob's werewolfing because it's growing quickly and that Alice can't see the baby's future, he decides to wolf out to patrol with Seth and Leah. Leah thanks Jacob for letting her stay with him because of how terrible she felt being Sam's ex after he imprinted with Emily. Jacob wants to go lone wolf after Bella dies and wants Seth and Leah to go back to Sam, but Leah begs to stay. This conversation is pretty heart-wrenching and it's all about Leah feeling like a freak who will never be able to have a baby because becoming a werewolf messed up her insides. Jacob says he'll think about letting her stay with him after Bella is gone, but that Seth really should stay in the push, finish school and keep his mom safe. (laughs) Somebody else is keeping his mom safe. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Back at the Cullen house after the patrol, Jacob tells Carlisle they can go hunting, but Rosalie and Edward refuse to leave Bella's side. Suddenly, Edward realizes he can hear what the fetus is thinking, and suddenly he loves it because he hears that it loves Bella. Bella tells them that she's picked out names for the baby. Edward, Jacob, EJ, if it's a boy, and Renezme, if it's a girl, which is just ludicrous. But everyone's like, yeah, it's a great name. And they swoon over the baby even more. Jacob thought he and Edward were on the same side, but now he knows he's alone. Wah, wah. Edward realizes that Jacob is distraught, so he gives him keys to one of their fancy cars and tells him to go for a drive. Jacob makes a quick eight-hour round-trip drive to Seattle to try to stare at the girls until he imprints on them. That's really creepy. He meets a nice girl who is concerned about his well-being, but then he decides he's just going to be in love with Bella and thus be alone forever. Ah, woohoo! He heads back to the Cullen house where he learns that, while he was gone, Leah yelled at Bella for making Jacob miserable. Edward asks Jacob to try to keep Leah in line as her alpha, but he thinks he doesn't need to. Speaking of being the alpha, Edward asks if, as double werewolf and rightful alpha to the entire pack, Jacob will allow them to try to emergency vampirize Bella in order to save her life if she dies during childbirth, which he wants to happen as soon as Carlisle gets back from hunting. Jacob agrees to the emergency vampirization because he realizes they're trying to save Bella's life, not take it away, and we all know how he feels about Bella. Good thing, because the baby is coming now, whether anyone wants it to or not. Bella stands, drops her cup of blood, and immediately crumbles to the ground as E.J. Renesme breaks her back. Ooh. Ooh. Rosalie carries a seizing Bella into Carlisle's hospital room, and Edward fills her full of morphine. Alice and Jasper get back from hunting before Carlisle and Esme, so Alice calls for Carlisle to get back immediately. Rosalie decides to cut open Bella's belly to get the baby out, but then, since she hasn't hunted in a long time, decides she wants to eat Bella. So Jacob tackles her and Alice pulls her away and makes her stay with Jasper. Things get even worse for Bella and Jacob starts performing CPR while Edward bites through her vampire placenta to get to the baby. Now, oh, of course, now, now. Bella holds Renesmee for just a second, but then her heart gives out. I didn't like the C-section bit. <sighs> Edward demands that Jacob take the baby away so he can try to save Bella by injecting his venom straight into her heart. But Jacob wants nothing to do with it and suggests they throw it out the window. Rosalie comes to take Renesmee away and Jacob hears her tiny heart fluttering as he continues to do CPR on Bella, hoping to push Edward's venom through her body to bring her back to life. It doesn't seem to work and Jacob realizes... She's dead. Wah, wah. Mm. Edward bites Bella all over to add more venom and continues to do chest compressions. Jacob suddenly realises he doesn't want to be anywhere near Bella's corpse, but has a pull to the tiny heartbeat in the other room. He wants to kill the baby because he's decided that Sam was right and the thing is a monster. As he approaches, Renesmee looks directly at Jacob and Jacob sees that Renesmee has Bella's eyes and his whole world shifts around. He's just imprinted on the newborn baby. 
book three. Back to Bella. Yeah, yeah, let's go to book three. Yeah, yeah. We come back to Bella as she drops her blood cup and the baby needs to be delivered. She's immediately morphined up and, you know, her back is broken, so she's probably paralyzed. So she doesn't really know what's going on, except that she needs to keep her heart beating. She knows what's going on sometimes, like when Edward hands her Renesmee and she immediately falls in love with her, but then the baby is taken away and everything kind of stops for a bit. Except the pain. Wait, isn't the morphine supposed to stop pain? Apparently not, when you're becoming a vampire. Bella is burning on the inside, but remains completely still for the three-day transition into a vampire. Obviously, the morphine wears off, and Bella could move if she wanted to, but she doesn't want Edward to know how much pain she's in, so she doesn't move at all. Edward thinks that he messed up and that the transition isn't working, but it definitely is because everyone notices how beautiful Bella is becoming. Before the transition ends, Bella hears Alice say that they should keep the baby away from her, which is bothersome, but then she finally wakes up to her new vampire life and realises everyone is afraid of her. She's a newborn vampire, super strong, super senses, etc., but she's also super normal, like not full of bloodlust or anything. She looks at Dust and kisses Edward and wants to see the baby, but Edward tells her that Renesby is half human, so they need to go hunting before seeing her. Don't worry, Jacob's got her. She's totally fine. Bella and Edward jump out of a second story window and begin the hunt. Bella and Edward frolic through the forest looking for elk and jumping over rivers, and Bella finds everything super easy and pretty fun, too. She also finds Edward super attractive and keeps getting distracted by his sexiness. But then they see an elk, and the hunt is back on. And then it's off again because the wind shifts, and Bella can smell a human and desperately wants to attack. Edward tries to stop her, and she snarls at him. Embarrassed by her totally normal vampire actions, she wants to go back to hunting elk again, but then she realizes Edward is so sexy, and he's like, wait, aren't you thirsty? And she realizes that she is. She dashes off and eats a mountain lion. (laughs) When she could have eaten Edward instead. After her thirst is sated, Bella wants to see Renesmee, so on the way back to the house, she asks Edward to tell her about her. Renesmee is warm-blooded and looks like the both of them and is pretty special. They arrive at the house and Jacob offers to face off with Bella first to see if she's ready to see the baby. That's weird, but Jacob decides that though Bella may look and smell a little different, she's still his friend and has permission to see her own baby. Why, thank you, Jacob! Thank you, thank you for that. Everyone is on high alert, but Bella is completely fine. She notices that Renesmee is twice as big as what she remembered, so like Jacob, she will probably be at least 12 feet tall in a matter of months, if not by the end of the summary. (laughs) (laughs) Renesmee reaches out for Bella and everyone gets tense again, but then Edward tells them all how she decided not to eat the human on their hunt, and so they all relax. Jasper is most surprised because he's used to dealing with crazy, bloodthirsty newborns, not super tame ones. Renesmee cries, and Bella's motherly instincts take over. She holds her baby, while Jacob also holds the baby, which is weird, but then Renesmee touches Bella on the face and shows her her memories of being born, which is also weird. 
Bella is surprised at her superpowered baby and kisses her forehead, which makes Jacob decide that she's done for right now. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Jacob takes the baby away, and Bella's like, What? And then she looks at her friend, and she looks at her baby, and she looks at how her friend is looking at her baby, and she snaps. (laughs) She realises Jacob has imprinted on the baby. Edward grabs Bella and makes Rosalie take Renesmee away. Seth and Leah arrive too, and they all prepare for the fight that they're all sure is about to take place. Bella is mad at Jacob, because this is obviously weird and very gross. But he tells her that she knows he can't help it and that she herself said her family isn't complete if he's not part of it. Bella does not care though on account of how gross it is. And then when Jacob calls Renesmee Nessie, she completely flips the fuck out. The fight is on. (laughs) The only person that gets injured in the fight is Seth who jumps in between to stop them. But he's not mad at Bella because she's a newborn vampire and can help herself. After Carlisle patches him up, he and Edward talk to Bella about everything that happened while she was transitioning. Everything's cool with the werewolves because of the imprinting, but Bella's still grossed out by it. They also tell Bella that Jacob and Sam, both alphas, can communicate telepathically with each other in wolf form, so that's pretty helpful. Since everything is wrapped up nicely with the werewolves, Bella thinks about some other issues she's been worrying about. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie and Renesmee's rapid growth. Smoking hot Billy Burke slash Charlie has been calling nonstop asking about Bella, but she's pretty sure she won't attack him when she sees him, whenever that may be. They decide that they should continue the facade of going to College of Dartmouth, which worries Jacob since he probably won't also get to go to Dartmouth and will have to be away from Renesmee. The entire Cullen family is kind of worried about a lot of things, like Bella randomly attacking everyone, which won't happen because she has super self-control, and about Renesmee's rapid growth, maybe meaning she'll have a short life. But maybe that won't happen either. Her growth does seem to be slowing down slightly, Carlisle wonders if maybe Bella's newborn control is her special ability. Well, that would be pretty pathetic, wouldn't it? But it could mean that Bella gets to see Smoke and Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie sooner than she thought. Later, everyone surprises Bella with birthday presents, which she at first doesn't really want because one, she's not aging anymore, and two, she's never, ever liked receiving gifts. But when one gift is an adorable little cottage for her, Edward, and Renesmee to live in, she actually appreciates it. The other gift is a new super fast and super fancy car, even though she literally just got a new super fast and super fancy car like two months ago. That one was a tank to keep her fragile human body safe, and this one is like a Ferrari or something, so it's decidedly less tank-like. Even though Bella doesn't like getting presents, she can at least appreciate the fact that some of her human traits remained, so she really is almost exactly the same as before her change. Left alone for a little bit in their new house, Bella and Edward get to have vampire sex for the first time, and she's super into it. She asks him if he misses her human squishiness, and he says "Uh, no, and that she feels the same to him. And now he doesn't have to deal with the scent of her human blood, or, you know, the squishiness. 
they can bang as much as they want to now and probably won't bruise each other. The only thing she has to worry about now is keeping her priorities in line. She's always going to want to fuck and she's always going to want to drink blood. So she has to decide which is the most important. Oh yeah, and there's another thing she has to decide is important. You know, her baby. (laughs) They decide to go back to the main Cullen house to see Renesmee. Emmett laughs at them for having finished having sex so soon, but Bella tries to rein in her anger about that. She also learns that Jacob disappeared, which is weird since he's so obsessed with the baby. Alice suddenly has a vision, and she knows where Jacob is gone, even though she isn't supposed to see any of the futures involving werewolves, question mark. Mm-hmm. Jacob has gone to talk to smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie. Jacob arrives back at the Cullen house then and tells them that he didn't tell Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie anything at all about vampires. But instead, he transformed into a wolf in front of Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie and told him that Bella's different now, too. And also, she and Edward just adopted an orphan. <laughs> Smokin' Hot <laughs> Billy Burke slash Charlie just wants to see Bella and is excited about the prospect of being a smoking Hot Grandpa, so he asks that no one tell him anything about what is actually going on. Plausible deniability. I like it. <laughs> smoking He's hot a cop, Billy after all. Slash... He knows. Well, exactly. He knows plausible he knows. deniability. <laughs> <laughs> hot Billy Burke slash Charlie arrives at the Cullen house shortly thereafter. While they waited for him to arrive, they shoved brown contact lenses in Bella's eyes to cover up her newborn red ones and taught her how to act like a human. The reunion <laughs> is tough for both Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie and Bella. Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie thinks Bella looks weird and Bella's thirst kicks into overdrive at having a human so close. But everything ends up being fine. Even the introduction of Renesmee Carly. Yes, they like Charlie plus Carlisle. It goes okay, even though the explanation that she is Edward's niece doesn't really fly and he knows it's all lies. Again, all Smogan Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie wants is to not know what's going on and just to enjoy his family in ignorance. And maybe to watch some sports on TV. Maybe go fishing. To come back over and see them all again soon. Carly. It should have been Charlisle. Because Renesmee is so bad, it should be Renesmee Charlisle, and that's what it is from now on inside my head, Renesmee Charlisle. It should be Charlisle. If you want to make a horrible Renesmee mashup, then it has to be Charlisle. It has to be Charlisle. Why isn't it Charlisle? It's one of the greatest questions of our generation. It really is. Time passes. More wolves join Jacob's pack. Sue Clearwater, Seth and Leah's mom, starts taking care of Charlie wink and Renesmee continues to grow it's only been like a week and she's already walking and talking in complete sentences Bella has a fight with Emmett to see who is stronger and then she beats up a rock and Renesmee laughs and crushes a rock too everything seems to be going super well though Edward and Carlisle are still pretty worried about how quickly Renesmee is growing they begin to do more research trying to find out anything they can about this remarkable little human vampire Bella also gets worried because she remembers that the Volturi exist and they're probably going to come check that she's a vampire now at any moment and she can't bear to have them learn about Renesmee before they figure out what exactly is going on with her. Oh shit, Michael Shane. <laughs> no! 
Bella decides that she's going to visit the Volturi and Carlisle offers to go with her so Edward and Jacob can stay with Renesmee. They also decide they should go to Brazil because that's where their research about Renesmee has led them. Bella, Jacob and Renesmee decide to go hunting to prepare and while they're out, they see Irina from the Denali clan. She sees them too, but before Bella can speak to her, Irina runs off, seemingly angry. Bella thinks that because Jacob was with her and Irina knows he's a werewolf, she's mad because she still hates all werewolves for killing Laurent, even though he was going to kill Bella. It seems that Bella has completely forgotten that she has a magical child and that Irina's mother was killed for creating immortal children. (laughs) Back at the house, (laughs) Bella tells Edward and Carlyle about Irina, so they go off to try to talk to her, but they aren't able to find her shrug. They all start talking about their tribal plans again, but then Alice has a vision. The Volturi are coming for them and bringing an entire army with them, and they will arrive when the snow starts to stick to the ground, which will be in about one month. After an inordinately long time, they realize that Irina told the Volturi to come for Renesmee, who they believe is an immortal child. It is an embarrassingly long time it takes for them to figure that out. For such intelligent, worldly people, they dumb. Yeah. Anywho. They scramble to try to figure out what to do. They're pretty sure they can't defeat the Volturi, even if the werewolves join in their fight, and Carlisle refuses to ask any of his vampire friends to fight with them. They do decide that they can at least ask their friends to come and see that Renesmee isn't an immortal child, and they hope that having witnesses to her growth and her heartbeat will be enough to stop the Volturi. Alice and Jasper leave because Alice can't see the future enough with Renesmee and Jacob around to figure out what's going to happen with Volturi. However, they don't come back. Ooh. Oh, no, our favourites. Everyone searches for Alice and Jasper and they find their trail in the woods leading to Sam's pack. Sam gives them a note from Alice ripped from one of Bella's books that says they're leaving and they're not coming back and they shouldn't come and look for them, but they will send any friends they encounter along their journeys to help them witness for Renesmee. Edward doesn't believe that Alice and Jasper would abandon them and thinks Alice knows something else but has no idea what. Bella believes that Alice knows there's no hope for any of them and that they're all gonna die. She does wonder why Alice wrote the note on a page ripped from one of her books, though. Alice hates that book and thinks all it should be is for naught paper. Fuck the Merchant of Venice. Fuck you. I agree. (laughs) Bella goes to their cottage and finds the book Alice took the page from. Inside, she finds another note meant for her with the name and address of someone in Seattle and the suggestion to destroy this information. Bella burns the entire book to keep everything secret from Edward, which is something only she can do. Later, Jacob tells Renesmee what's going on, which Bella is upset by, but Renesmee is smart and unafraid. Edward tells Jacob that he should stay away once other vampires start arriving to meet Renesmee because he'll probably be afraid or angry at meeting a werewolf too. Jacob agrees. While this conversation is happening, Renesmee tries to comfort Bella, who was freaking out about Alice's note, everyone liking Renesmee and learning how to fight the Volturi. Bella never thought being comforted by her daughter would happen, so she always coddled her own mother. Bella realises she must keep Renesmee safe at all costs. 
Edward tries to comfort Bella too, wink, and then they talk about her learning how to fight. Edward tells Bella there's no point in learning how to fight because if their encounter with the Volturi comes to a fight, they're all gonna die anyway. Nice. <laughs> He's a glassful kind of guy. Edward tells Bella that Jane and Alec are the Volturi's greatest offense since they both have mind powers that make everyone around them useless. We already know about the Jane pain power, but now we learn that Alec has the power to take away people's senses, so any fighter they come across will have no ability to fight back at all. Bella thinks that since Jane and Alec have mental powers, they probably won't be good physical fighters, so she plans to sneak attack them and take them out. Their powers won't have any effect on her whatsoever. (laughs) Soon the Denali clan arrives. Edward and Bella decide that they should have Jacob there just in case, even though they just literally sent him away. They literally just said no. (laughs) Bella, Jacob and Renesmee stay in one room while Edward talks to Tanya, Kate, Carmen and Eliza. He asks them to listen for the tiny weird heartbeat in the other room and smell the weird human-like smell there too. They acknowledge that something unique is there and that they are introduced to Renesmee. They all freak the fuck out. (laughs) But they realise that she is not an immortal child. Kate and Tanya apologise for Arena bringing the entire Volturi down upon the Cullens and offer to fight with them if that problem should arise. They all agree to witness to the Volturi though and decide that they will do anything to keep Renesmee safe. Carmen then allows Renesmee to show her her gift and the face touching begins. Hours, days, <laughs> face touching. <sighs> they go through so much antibacterial gel. Oh, I so much face touch. Eleazar has his own gift, the ability to discern other gifts, and he once lived with the Volturi. He realizes that Bella's secret mind is actually another type of gift. She is a shield and could potentially use her mind-shielding powers to shield other people's minds too. He says that Aro has a shield in his guard who can keep him safe, so it's entirely possible Bella could do the same thing if she could expand it. Kate, who has the power of electricity, reveals that when she first discovered her gift, it was only in her hands, but with practice and training, she can now radiate the electricity all over her entire body. How her hair doesn't stand up on end all the time, I do not know. Well, she can control it. It's the second power controllable hair yes Edward oh we know that's a very good power (laughs) that's a very good power Edward and Elazar talk more about the Volturi and Elazar reveals that they often wage wars in order to collect vampires they know have special gifts it's probable that they're bringing everyone to Forks because they want to take someone home to Volturia with them maybe multiple someones Bella realises that that's probably why Alice left, to avoid being forced to join the Volturi and give them her powers of future sight. Soon enough, lots of other vampires start showing up at the Cullen house. When they meet Renesmee and she touches them in the face, they agree to join up with the Cullens against the Volturi. 
well, most of them do. Garrett, a nomad vampire friend, is excited to fight against the Volturi and immediately has a crush on Kate and even tries to be a vegetarian vampire with them. This makes Jacob happy since literally all the rest of them are going to eat people in the area, which is in direct opposition to his werewolf duties. Mary and Randall, some other friends, also agree to be witnesses. Zafrina, who has the ability to put images on people's heads, and Senna from the Amazon love Renesmee immediately and also agree to help. The only one that seems wary is Amun from the Egyptian clan. He also seems super protective of his clanmate Benjamin, who has the ability to influence the elements. Even though they have a very large group of vampires to help them, Bella still wants to learn how to fight, so she works with Emmett. She also works with Kit to learn how to expand her shield power. Kit electrocutes Edward a bunch, and Bella is eventually able to shield him. So then Kit moves to Renesmee. This infuriates Bella, activating her gift even more. She's eventually able to expand her shield to protect Edward and Renesmee and some other friends too, before she gets too tired and her shield snaps back in place around only her. A little while later... Still within the one-month time span before the Volturi arrive, two more vampires show up. The Romanians. They are traditional <laughs> vampires like the Volturi, and they hate them for overthrowing their empire hundreds and hundreds of years ago. They hope there will be a fight, and they'll finally be able to take the Volturi down. Carlisle assures them that there won't be a fight, but they can always hope. They've been waiting for revenge for a long time, so they're not going to miss their opportunity. After the arrival of the Romanians, the Cullens now have 17 vampires on their side, the largest non-violent gathering of vampires pretty much ever. Bella decides to take Renesmee to see Smoke and Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie, but she is actually going to drop her and Jacob off with him and then check out that name and address in Seattle left for her by Alice. Bella finds Jay Jenkins a lawyer. Then she meets him and she learns that he has worked with Jasper for a very long time and his associates have worked with him before Jenks joined the firm. Jay Jenks provides illegal documentation for the Cullen family, like driver's license, birth records and passports. Bella realises Alice sent her secretly to get forged documents for Renesmee and probably Jacob too in order to keep Renesmee safe from the Volturi. She requests documents for Jacob and Vanessa Wolfe that she will return for in one week which he then puts into a backpack full of money, along with a secret note meant for Alice that will allow her to find Jacob and Renesmee in the future, if she wishes. When Bella gets back home with her Christmas shopping, she's pretty sure that Edward knows she's up to something, but he doesn't know what. They spend Christmas at Smokin' Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie's house with Sue, who is definitely his girlfriend now, and literally all the werewolves. Jacob gives Renesmee a promise ring, which is vomit-inducing because we all know what promise rings mean and she's literally four months old? Bella's not bothered by that much anymore since she's made plans for them to run away together if the Volturi encounter goes badly. Edward is still grossed out, though. As is his correct reaction. In the movie, at least, it's just a bracelet that he made. So yeah. that's better. When they get back to the Cullen house, it is to find that one of their witnesses, Alistair, left and that Amon wants to leave too and take Benjamin with him. Benjamin, however, chooses to stay with the Cullens. 
The Romanians declare that they will fight with the Cullens if it comes down to it because they can't allow the Volturi to get any stronger than they already are. This causes pretty much everyone else to agree to fight as well. Bella worries about her shield, especially when she realises that Renesmee is able to use her powers on her with no problem at all. But Edward decides that either Bella and Renesmee's gifts are of the same wavelength, or Renesmee's fierce touching gift is so powerful that no one can avoid it. Ugh. That's a horrible thought. Ugh. The arrival of the Volturi is imminent, so Edward and Carlyle begin patrolling the area where they plan to fight them off. It's the same clearing where they fought the newborn army in Eclipse. And is that the sleeveless white unbuttoned button-down shirt meadow or the supermassive black hole baseball meadow? I can't I'm going to say it's a baseball meadow. Either way, they're there and they're ready for the attack. The night before New Year's Eve, snow falls and sticks to the ground. It's time. Bella tells Renesme that she loves her and that she and Jacob might have to run away soon, but that she's prepared everything they might need to disappear and survive. The Volturi arrive, and in addition to their army of like 30, they also have witnesses. There's no way the Cullen smaller group of vampires can win the fight. Irina is among the Volturi and will have intentionally or not told Arrow everything she knows about everyone, which convinces Edward that the Volturi are going to kill pretty much everyone except for the ones they want to keep. Soon the werewolves arrive to the field, almost 20 of them, which evens the numbers quite substantially and seems to frighten the Volturi. Carlyle approaches Arrow and tries to explain to his old friends that they are not there to fight because no laws have been broken and that Renesmee is not an immortal child. This is obvious to everyone in the clearing. Aro brings Irina over and she admits that the so-called immortal child she saw was much smaller before. Aro then asks for Edward to come forward so he can touch him and read his thoughts. Bella notices Jane smirking and knows that she's about to try something. So, full of rage, she throws her shield around him after Aro reads his thoughts. <laughs> Aro realises, after reading Edward's thoughts, that everything Carlyle said about Renesmee and the witnesses is true. He then asks to meet Renesmee. Bella brings her forward and, after complimenting both Bella and Renesmee, he sees for himself that Renesmee is Bella and Edward's biological daughter and that they did not create an immortal child. He shares this with Caius... Artifice! <laughs> ...who believes they have somehow been tricked. Renesmee then touches Arrow's face to explain her version of everything, and his desire quickly turns to the werewolves, who he believes will make excellent guard dogs for the Volturi, since Jacob does such a good job of protecting Renesmee. Edward shuts that down pretty quickly, so Arrow decides he must confer with the rest of the Volturi to decide what they're going to do. As the Volturi talk, Aro about them telling a truth and Caius not believing artifice, <laughs> Bella stretches her shield around everyone on their side, just in case. Caius talks about the Cullens siding with the Children of the Moon, aka the werewolves, the vampire's mortal enemies, but Aro dismisses this and tells Caius that the wolves here are not actual werewolves, but instead they're shapeshifters since they're not controlled by the moon. This is interesting and seems like an afterthought to cover the fact that none of the wolves act like traditional werewolves at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna shoot on that in. <laughs> 
Matthias is mad and tries to get Irina on his side about the wolves to bring formal charge against them, but Irina won't. She doesn't have any ill will toward the Cullens, admits that going to the Volturi was a mistake. Caius, being mad, executes Irina on the spot. He rips off her head and sets her on fire. This, of course, causes Kate and Tanya to want to fight, but Garrett and Zafrina stop them. Aurora then asks to speak to some of Carlisle's witnesses, which doesn't really make any sense. Aurora asks Amun if her nursemaid is Bella and Edward's biological child, which she is, and then Aurora asks if Amun thinks she should be allowed to live. After all, they don't know anything about what her future holds. This tactic doesn't work either. Garrett gets mad and declares that nothing they do is going to dissuade the Volturi from fighting because deep down they just see the Cullens as a threat, even though they're peaceful. Aro then decides to let the witnesses decide for themselves what they want to do, and he and the Volturi convene again to make their decision. Bella obviously knows that the Volturi are going to fight, so she tells Renesmee to run away with Jacob when that happens. Edward leans over and tells them he loves them, calls Jacob his brother, son, and tells his daughter goodbye. <laughs> no. 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 Bella suddenly feels a weird fluttering against her shield and knows that Jane and Alex are trying to use her powers against them while Arrow and Caius continue to talk. Apparently, this is what they always do with any judgment they make. While they chat, Alec takes away everyone's feelings and Jane tortures them into submission. Everyone starts divvying up who they're going to fight, but then Arrow tries, probably realising that something is going on with Bella's shield and Jane and Alec's abilities, to convince everyone with powers on the Cullen side to join the Volturi. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. He finally says they would leave in peace if they could just determine Renesmee's future. Who should arrive then? But Alice! Yay. She brings with her Jasper and some other vampires. Alice introduces one of them as Nawel and his aunt, Wilin. It turns out that Nawel is half human, half vampire, just like Renesmee. He explains that, like with Bella and Edward, he was conceived from a vampire father and a human mother, but his mother did not survive his birth. He also says that he has three sisters, and his father is out now creating more hybrids, and that he turned his aunt into a vampire. His bite has the power to do that, but his sisters do not. This is all very intriguing, as is the fact that Nawel reached physical and mental maturity just seven years after his birth, and that he is more than a hundred years old. Now that the Volturi have evidence that Renesmee poses no threat, they decide to leave. Perhaps to go after Noel's father. Everyone celebrates the Volturi's departure, but they all vow that if they should return for any reason, they would band together again to stop them. Not much later, all the visiting vampires leave, except for Garrett, who stays with the Denali's, and Nawel and Wailin who want to know more about Renesmee, probably because Renesmee is the only other hybrid he's ever met that isn't his sister. Nah. Nah, dog, nah, dog. Nah, She's dog. already spoken for in a creepy, creepy way. <laughs> Later, after everything is settled down, Bella reveals to Edward that she has done more practicing with her shield than what she was able to do in the clearing. 
she removes her shield from herself completely, allowing Edward to finally be able to read her mind. She shows him every memory that she has ever had of him and how much she loves him. Everyone lives happily ever after, after that. (laughs) So much, so much has happened. We need to take a little bit of a break so we can listen to a promo for another show. And, you know, maybe you can go and watch that video that I made again, just in case you need to do that. And then we'll come back. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. Oh, damn me. Where do we even begin? Uh, I have no idea. There's just... There's a lot in this book. There is a lot I mean, in this it's, book. It's three books in one, isn't it? Yes. I liked that, you know, but every one of Bella's chapters is just a one word. But all of Jacob's are like really like long sentences. And yes, I really, really enjoyed all of Jacob's chapters, especially the chapter titles. They were fantastic. <laughs> like, I. Do you know what I didn't like in I Jacob's had... ch- chapters, though? The baby talk? The Queen and West Walks. I want the walks. Oh, oh my walks. God, that's awful. Vomit. Was that what you didn't like about his chapters? Did I get it? Well, I didn't like the baby talk, but I also hated. I just. It, I mean, it's the same with the imprinting on Renesmee. I just. It's just wrong. Yes. And it's trying to shoehorn in. It's, oh, well, you know, it's not romantic. It's just a feeling of being protective. It could be a brotherly feeling. You know, it's, it's well, it's not, though, because quite clearly the two people who have imprinted on children have no intentions of finding a romantic partner with somebody else. So when wow. that person they've imprinted on, when the girl they've imprinted on reaches maturity, then they're expected to have a relationship with you but what I don't get is as well well that person is human in the most part Mm -hmm. so they're not going to have the feeling of the imprint are they? or is it just they're obligated? I I don't know it feels like a lot lot of free will has been taken away yeah I I have several issues with this book about the la- like the lack of choice that anyone has like there's Bella at the beginning of the book is like no it's totally fine that I'm going to get turned into a vampire because I don't want to have a baby and then all of a sudden she's like well I have a baby now and 
there's there's no choice in that and now with the imprinting there's no choice there's no choice for anyone other than the people that are most important in this situation like well the werewolves are important in this storyline so everything that they get everything that they want goes everything that they say goes and i don't know it just bothers me it bothers me it also bothers me that they get married and it's like it's almost like you know at the end of eclipse bella's like i don't want to get married i don't want like why do we have to get married it doesn't matter we can get married anytime that's that's not what matters in our relationship is that we want to be together for forever and you're going to turn me into a vampire so we can do that and it took forever for him to even decide that he would turn her into a vampire so there again her choice doesn't matter and the fact that she doesn't want to get married doesn't matter and then she ends up getting married and then they have sex and all she wants to do while they're on their honeymoon is have sex and he's like nah I don't want to do that and then they do and ugh, I don't know it's just it's problematic the entire thing is problematic oh completely and when she is pregnant and edward's just desperate to get the fetus out of her desperate to abort to trying to persuade her so much and using other people to also persuade her to have an abortion but at least i suppose i mean he was just a total jerk but i say respect but it isn't respect he didn't just force her use his strength and use his family to force the an abortion on her. He didn't do that. He just yeah. was trying to be a bit more manipulative about her, which isn't any yeah, better. I guess. But at least, you know, she was like, No, I'm going to bring this baby. I'm I'm going to do it. I'm gonna have this baby and at least she wasn't forced into a situation by Edward and the Cullens into having an abortion. That and I, I use the word respected very, 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 very tenuously. But it's yeah. just it's it's the whole thing and you can't help but feel like, well, the author's got an intention behind it and it's it's bloody Mormons. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 frustrating. It is. It's very frustrating. And if they do do Twilight T V series I hope they modernise a lot of the thinking. I can get behind Edward's reluctance to want to have sex with Bella. It's not that he doesn't want to have sex with her. He's just frightened he's not going to be able to control because she's squishy. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bella, go on top for fuck's sake. Go on top. Yeah. You don't have to do anything, Edward, and you'll still enjoy it. Just sit there. Exactly. But I can understand he wants to be a bit more of an active participant in the in the situation, which is fine. Sure. So I can understand his reluctance on physical intimacy when you have a very squishy partner, and I get that. And I think that's actually quite decent of him to respect the fact he doesn't want to hurt her. So I kind of yeah. like that. But there is so much, as we've talked about throughout the entire se- series together and with the Vampire Book Club, there's so much gaslighting. It's in so much disrespect nobody listens to what Bella wants yeah. at all and it's just so frustrating do you know what now I've just thought of though 
I know that we're always like, just let Bella get on top, but can we also not respect Edward's decision to not want to have sex? Oh, exactly. Because not everyone wants to do that all the time. No. So... <laughs> they need to have a compromise. They need to have a conversation. They do. But they don't, that, this is the thing, they don't talk. You know, it's what we always say, communication. So what really yeah. frustrated me, and it, it's in the book, it's in the movie, where they've had the first night of sex. Bella's like blissed out. She's totally happy. She's covered in feathers and like, what the hell is going on? Oh my God, I feel great. And Edward's mm-hmm. like broody and moody, being a very stereotypical vampire. Oh, I've hurt you, you bruised. And like, you look and you see a, a couple of little finger marks on one arm and you see a little bruising around the shoulder in the, in, in, in the movie. And yeah, okay, that sucks that you got hurt. It really, really does. But she's like, I don't feel this. This is fine. I'm great. Let's, let's go again. I'm ready for round three, four. Come on, let's do this. And he's like, no, no, I've hurt you. And just walks away. And it's like, no, actually, sit down and have a conversation. Say, right, well, we this is what happened. And yeah, it's going to take some of the sexiness and the romance out of it, but you might need to have it then, a logistical conversation on how you can then go have sex. You've done it once. You've seen what damage can be done to person in place because that poor bedroom got absolutely decimated. Then talk about it. Let's say, okay, well, we'll try again, but let's, in a couple of days' time, when, you know, the bruising's gone down, we'll see how we can make it work. And then it's kind of like, it's respecting each other's decisions and each other's bodies. But they don't, they don't talk, they don't communicate. No, we don't. We don't have mutual respect for anyone or anything. So frustrating. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Not talking about that situation anymore for right now. Okay. You know when Jacob goes to tell Smoking Hot Billy Burke slash Charlie about Bella being different? Um, First off, Alice knows that that happened, even though she can't see anyone's futures where werewolves are involved. Well, so that's questionable. No, what's also questionable about this is that in Twilight, Jacob, no, in New Moon, Jacob could not tell Bella that he's a werewolf or anything about the pack, anything, anything. He couldn't tell her. He was physically unable to. And I know that it was, you know, Sam, like, imposing that. But it's a thing. It's a thing that they're not allowed to tell anyone who's not involved with the pack, who's not imprinted whatever about them being werewolves. But Jacob just, like, can transform in front of Charlie? Is it because he's double werewolf alpha? Or is it because Stephanie Meyer forgot? Probably both. Um, probably both. Also, Charlie now is embroiled within the entire universe because he's he's seeing Sue Clearwater. He knows all about werewolves. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because she's not a werewolf. They're just dating. True, but it might be that, you know, 
that relationship means that he's then within the quiet boundaries the of circle having of this trust. knowledge. The circle of trust, yes. But it's a tenuous circle of trust. It's really, very tenuous. I really it, I mean, just... But it's not just that. Like, If you think about it, Alice should not have seen the Volturi coming because at the fight, the werewolves are involved. Jacob is so now entwined with the Cullens family because of Renesme. She should not see anything to do with the Cullens, or at least with Jacob, with Edward, with Bella, and with Renesmee. She shouldn't see any of that. It's no bad. I'm going to say it's bad writing and inconsistency on the author's part because it's it's not carried through. No, it's very frustrating because that was that was very important earlier in New Moon, especially because we see. Alice see Bella jump off the cliff and then poof she just is gone because she's pulled out of the ocean by a werewolf so it's very very important that you can't see stuff when werewolves are involved and now it just doesn't matter at all I don't know if the other side is. It's not the fact that, I mean, they're not proper werewolves, the shifters, but that's by the by. Or if it's the fact that because Jacob has left Sam's pack and he is formed the bond with the Cullens, it's kind of like a loophole. That's but it's, again, tenuous, tenuous, tenuous. Yeah. It's frustrating. Because even in the, watching, watching the movie at the end, there's, um, Alice has a vision of the future. And it's, you know, Jacob with Renesmee, older Renesmee, on the beach. And Edward and Bella are there. And it's like, well, no, Jacob's a werewolf. And you wouldn't be able to see that. So you wouldn't know that in six months' time that this is a happy future. <laughs> it's frustrating. No. It's just frustrating. And I think it's just bad writing. It is. It's really hard for us, I think, to do deep dives into these things and to really, really think about them because then we start thinking about them too much and then we're like, uh, none of this actually makes any sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. At all. No. It's the same with the imprinting. It makes no sense why one person it's a one-sided thing if it was two wolves imprinting on each other i could totally understand it and be behind it but imprinting on a human and then that human's love life is now dictated by the werewolf doesn't make any freaking sense no it's just it's just sad like oh great i've been imprinted upon and there goes my entire future any plans yeah. that I had, it doesn't matter anymore because I have a werewolf boyfriend. Yes. It's so medieval, and isn't like, it? It's like when you hear about the, 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 the princesses, oh, I've been engaged since my, my, I was six months old to the to the prince of fake land. It's like, well, you can understand it's royalty trying to keep power, but this is just nasty. I don't then, love it. Okay. No, I don't. I don't love the imprinting at all. I could deal without it. And I feel so sorry for Leah as well. 
Like jumping back to what we talked about in the summary. She's the only female werewolf. And you know, they were saying, oh, we just got naked around each other. It was so simple. And then Leia came along and it was like, awkward. And it's like, well, okay. I can sort of say that, but I bet you'd be happy to go to a nudist beach, wouldn't you? I can only imagine that Leia's got massive amounts of body confidence. And oh, I'm I sure don't she think does. It, I don't think it bothers her. The only person she should probably bother is Seth, and that's because it's his sister. You're like, oh, I don't need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I could also see it bothering Sam. Not that I really care about Sam much, but, you know, it could be awkward for Sam as well because that was his girlfriend, and now he's in love with her cousin. So, like, he wouldn't maybe want to see her flouncing around naked. Well, he's imprinted on her. It doesn't matter. Does imprinting mean love, though? It doesn't matter. In this universe, yes. That's the only only thing that does matter. They're imprinted, so that's the end. And you can't... It's also bothersome because, you know, with... Whichever one it was that has the toddler imprint that we're first grossed out by and jacob's like that's quill right the quill aren't you gonna like try to date someone at least for a little while until you know you don't have a two-year-old that you're watching all the time and he's like no i don't see anyone else i don't see anyone else i only see this baby boo walks green walks get me walks fuck off it's weird but you're into the sea I, I can like understand it. from a perspective he's like, I'm going to end up with this person eventually and it's unfair for me to get into any serious relationship with somebody else. When And be like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't get married because I have to marry a baby. Yeah, I'm, I can only so... be in this relationship with you for the next uh, 15 to 20 years, which is effectively a lifetime for some people. Um, so I can't commit to you for that. Oh, and by the way, I've got to go and hang out with this two-year-old a lot. This is the person I'm going to leave you for. So this is the younger model. Just so you know, right. this is the younger model yeah. when, you know, this happens yeah. in 15 to 20 years' time. It's an awkward situation. It's just awkward all around and icky it all around. All I can understand no, I imprinting. Like I can understand it, or at least forgive it a little bit, if everybody was over 18 and I'm just saying over 18 because then you're classified as an adult but or like you were friends with somebody for years and years and years and then you just you know you, you're watching a really shitty program you're watching twilight okay you're just chilling with some popcorn you're watching twilight you're having takeout you're just shooting the shit and you just turn to each other and go hang on and it's just that that moment of actually, yeah, we've always loved each other, really. And it's just that, you know, friends yeah. to lovers situation. If it was a friends to lovers situation, yeah. I would be blissfully happy. Love the trope. Sure. But it's not. It's icky. It's not. It's baby to lover, and that's gross. Icky and gross. Um, so what else can we talk about that's not imprinting? Can we talk about how bad of a name Renesme is? Oh, sorry, I just had to stretch. Can we talk that... about how bad Renesme is? Ugh. 
Yes, and I love the fact that everybody knows how bad the name Renesmee is. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's great. Ugh. Yeah, you know, and I had forgotten about Renesmee's middle name. And I was messaging you about this, you know, before before we started recording earlier in this week. I was like, what is this? The baby's middle name is Carly. That's a perfect name. It's a perfect, non-stupid, weird, fucking-ass, made-up name. And I really just wish it had been Charlisle instead of Carly. But Carly should have been the baby's first name. Because also, we have, like, Bella has this relationship with Charlie that she doesn't have with Renee. She, you know treated Renee like a child. So I don't feel like she would have loved her mother that much to create such a butchered fucking name. You love Charlie. You're spending your time with Charlie now. Carlisle has decided he's going to turn you into a vampire. He is taking you into his family. He is protecting you. Why not go Carly? Why can't Carly be the first name? But no, it's Renesme, and also Charlisle would just be better. I agree, Charlisle would be the superior of all of the names. Second only to second place is is Carly. Yes, and I it it it, it pisses me off actually that they've gone with a stupid Renesme over Carly, and yeah. Honor the people that you know, who you love, who are, are part of the life as well. Like, yeah. From after the wedding, Renee is not mentioned. I don't think she doesn't. Not once does Bella ever seem concerned about her mum and tell it like and her mum finding out that she's quote unquote dead when she's been turned into a vampire. It's no, not. It's always. Yeah. Charlie always it's always Charlie and they Charlie actually mentions you know when he's when he says look I know something is not right here Uh, you're not telling me the whole truth but you know you say it's to keep everyone safe and that's fine so I'm just gonna go along with it but don't tell Renee because she won't be able to handle it (laughs) I don't think Renee and so they don't keep a secret. No, it, it 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 annoys me. Yeah. Yep. Like, is she ever going to see her mother again, or no? God Doesn't matter. Knows. Doesn't matter. I'm with, I'm with, doesn't know about the baby at all. No. No, and so then the next time you see her, you know, seven or eight years down the line, you just have this. Fully grown adult who looks just like you and your husband put together. And also, you haven't aged at all. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's problematic. It's a problematic. It's another hole. Honestly, this book is Swiss cheese. And I I really like cheese. cheese. Yeah. We like Swiss cheese, but not as books. Right. Yes. What else? I just keep like, thinking about things that I can, have. Can I just reinforce with. the child name thing? Like yes. Okay. So 
when we were coming up with the name for our for, for my baby his mm-hmm. first name has no association with any family member at all he's a unique name, first name but we wanted to give a middle name and we thought grandparents it's a nice thing and because it's a boy it was either going to be William or Alan Alan's my dad but we discounted Alan because he died when I was four years old so has absolutely no relationship and will not be a memory for our son we went with William because we know William will have a relationship with our son will develop memories mm. with our son and when the thing when he thinks of his name of William he knows and he knows he is named after his grandfather is uh, because and it's something that my husband asked for and I was more than happy for that to be the case you know I was unique I was happy for a unique name I was happy for a name to to honor somebody but we went with somebody that has had a massive impact on one person's life and will have a massive impact on the other person's life on the baby's life and that's what we did we didn't think oh well let's give it to a name that is a family name but means absolutely nothing like my middle name is apparently a great aunt's not to i mean it's a nice middle name but i don't know that person so i might be named after somebody but it doesn't mean anything to me in those terms and i think that's the same with Rene, Esme will have an impact on Renesme, but Rene won't. So if you're going to name after one of the grandmothers, quote unquote, why couldn't it have just been Esme or a, a, and, a and even Esme? Even if you wanted to include Rene, well, why don't you just spell Esme differently with the two E's and the apostrophe, like Renee is spelled? Because it would make the same sound. So why don't you just spell Esme differently? And well, there you go. There's Renee thrown in there as well. We'll just have Renee, Esme. Carly, Renee, Esme, Colin. <laughs> Just name the baby Esme, I mean, yes, Esme, Renee, Alice, Rosalie, Charlie, (laughs) Emmett, Jasper, Carlisle, Scrap it all, scrap it all. Change your surname to Awesome and name your child Totally. And then you've got a child called Totally Awesome. And there you go. Done. Sorted. Totally unique. That's all you need. That's perfect. Yes. And then you can have another one and call it Frickin' and it'll be totally freaking awesome yeah it's great i love it right moving on because <sighs> i don't know right <laughs> i it, i can't even i just keep thinking about all these stupid things that bother me and i can't like make myself think of anything that i actually liked about this book can i tell you something that did bother me then yes um you know how jacob's always like when when <sighs> Jacob's always going on about the bloodsuckers. Uh, discussing mm-hmm. bloodsuckers. Uh, discussing blood. And then when Bella's pregnant and she starts to drink the blood and feels better for it, he's totally grossed out, has to leave the room. Yuck, it's disgusting. Excuse me, Mr. Double Standards over there. You eat raw freaking meat from the animal you've just killed. And guess what? You're also ingesting their blood. Can we stop with the judgment? No. It, it no. just... 
flames. 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 So many flames. Yeah. I will um, tell you something that okay. I did like, and you forget that. Her, what? Lee Pace yes. is in the movie. Lee Pace. I know. I love I... him. I know. I love him so much. That's actually what I was just about to talk about. Not necessarily Lee Pace, but I really enjoyed all of the additional vampires that came to witness for the Cullens. Like, where are all these people? Where have they been for the rest of the story? Can they not have just been hanging out the whole time? Yeah. Let's 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 go wider than folks. Garrett is my favorite, like of the yes. extra vampires that come yes. visiting. I, I love Garrett. Same. The red coats are coming. The red coats are coming. Oh no, I hate that because. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I added that into the quotes later. The red coats are coming. The red coats are coming. He says, right? Like we're not supposed to know what he's talking about. The red coats are coming. The red coats are coming. Garrett muttered mysteriously to himself and then chuckled once is the quote like we're not supposed oh. to know what that means i, How I is hate it mysterious it. i don't How do know you to something mysteriously i d- how do you mutter anything constantly mutter and murmur and grimace the entire time it's just I don't see it people no you can't we can't enunciate. Yeah, so that that bothered me. He's supposed to have like some secret mysterious past, but he says literally the red coats are coming, the red coats are coming. Like we all know what that means. It's and not in the secret. movie. He, it's he's not mysterious. No, and it's not at all in the movie because they just say, Oh, he was a patriot. Carlisle met him back in the war, he's a patriot. And he even blatantly says the first thing he says, like I hated the British invasion the first time, the second time's just as bad. And they're like, Oh, but what about the Beatles? <laughs> it's just hilarious and the entire time he's just flirting it's like ah hmm, you want to you want to you zap me with some electricity yeah come here yeah yeah i i appreciated all of the other all of the other vampires that came, I thought that was that was a lot of fun. I wish that we had gotten to see more of them throughout the series, but, you know, that would have taken a lot of writing skill that I don't think that we had at this moment in time. No. I think we could have cut down on the pregnancy side, because that took a long time, and had, it, had more vampires added in. Yes. Oh, something I remembered when I was doing um, research for background information like originally it was just supposed to be a duology there was just twilight and then the second book was going to be called forever dawn and it was mostly everything that happens in breaking dawn but it was all from bella's point of view because in this set you know new moon and eclipse didn't happen so there wasn't all of that lovey-dovey stuff between jacob he wasn't obsessed with bella and all of that stuff but he does still end up imprinting on Renesmee when Charlie, I mean, when um, Bella goes to visit Charlie and takes the baby with her and then they imprint there. But anyway, um, I don't remember where I was going with that. That was the, the thing. Oh, and, no, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So then um, 
what I was reading about that is that there was more of the pregnancy because there wasn't a section from Jacob's point of view. So all of that part, while Jacob is seeing it happen in the background while he's running around with Leah and Seth, that was all pregnancy chapters. And there was a lot more of it. I know. Ugh. 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 I didn't like the birth bit purely because I had a C-section and it was pretty, like, the, my birthing was traumatic. It was very painful. My contractions were literally vampire, on top of each other. Did a vampire bite open your vampire placenta? No, but I think I probably would have appreciated it because it took 45 minutes and five attempts to get the epidural in. Hmm. I, that 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 was that was difficult. I think I drew blood on the uh, the poor midwife because I was literally grabbing onto her arm. The pain was just so intense because it was literally on top of each other, and um, he was the baby was spine to spine, so the pain was even more intense. Mm. It was not pleasant at all. I did not enjoy. Would not recommend. Take all the drugs. All the drugs. If you're gonna do or- it all the drugs especially or just don't have a baby at all don't have don't uh, yeah there are your two options have it and all the drugs or don't have it yeah and all the drugs i'm pleased with my life choices you should be positive life choices (laughs) and you should always respect other people's life choices yes you should definitely 100 percent. exactly Okay, can we talk a little bit about the movie now? I know we've dipped and dived in a bit more, but yes. like yes, I do can. enjoy this as a book, but the movies are better. <laughs> yeah. I said it. I own it. I said it. I own it. You said it. You said it. Right. Alice has a freaking craft room. <laughs> I don't recall okay. Alice's craft room. I need to watch it again, apparently. You do. So in part one, where Bella is getting dressed for mm-hmm. the wedding. You see, there's like a board in the background. It's just got lots of little people, like statue things on, and it's like it looks like like almost color or material samples. And then there's a giant pair of scissors. So I can only imagine she's got like a full on haberdashery kind of thing going on in there. I'm sure she does. It's also the same room where Bella in part two goes to get the backpack to put the money and the letters and stuff where in the book she gets a backpack from her wardrobe a cute little black backpack right. this one's a very utilitarian backpack which Alice would not have a utilitarian backpack Mm-mm. I'm quite sure that yeah. would have been in Jasper's wardrobe right. so it could just be that's their bedroom it's Alice and Jasper's bedroom but I honestly my my belief is it's Alice's craft room because you cannot tell me somebody who's so into fashion and interior design and you know Decor will not have a craft room. Oh, I'm so sure Alice, it's a craft room. I'm making it canon has a craft room. Yes, I think it's that very is very exciting. Very exciting. Okay, so I want to talk about something from the movie, and it's actually it's one of my most favorite memories, one of my most favorite stories that I will carry with me forever and always. Uh, my mom and I went to watch all of these movies at midnight. Because that's when they were, you know, back in time where they did midnight movie releases. And so when it came time for this one, you know, we were there together watching the movie. And we know 
at the end of Breaking Dawn, the book, they pretty much just shake hands and walk away. And there's no fighting. There's nothing exciting at all. And it just ends and they walk away. But in order to spice it up a little bit in the movies to make people go or to make people not go, oh, why did I just sit here for two and a half hours while nothing happened? They decided to bring Alice in earlier and kind of show Aro and the rest of the Volturi what would happen if they tried to fight, which makes it such a better ending. It makes it so much better. But when you're watching the movie for the first time and you don't realize that's what that's what is happening in the scene where they rip off Carlisle's head and throw it across the field, the entire movie theater that I was in, everyone went, (gasps) except for my mother, who screamed, what the fuck? (laughs) And it's my most favorite memory of my mother (laughs) screaming, what the fuck, at the top of her lungs in the completely silent movie theater. I love it so much. That is amazing. I love that. That So good. It was so good. (laughs) It's one of my favorite memories. I love that so much. (laughs) (sighs) So good. That's brilliant. (laughs) That's why I love Breaking Dawn Part 2 so much. Not for the movie, it's for my mother screaming, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, it's up there now. But it makes a better movie for having that giant action scene in, like, Arrow just going, shrug, and walking off. Yeah. (sighs) Like, oh, we're not going to fight today. Cool, see ya. He's just doing that eye pointy thing and then slitting his throat. Yeah, yeah. But I did, I did like getting to see everyone's abilities because, like, you got to see Benjamin cracking huge fault lines into the earth. I would, I would actually argue that that was the stupid thing to do. Well, it was a stupid thing to do. The amount of vampires that were lost down there as well. Yeah, but it was cool that you got to see him using his power and you can see how immense it is. Yes. That was it was pretty interesting. I mean, why not just use wind snow, and blow people away or snowstorm people snowstorm or yeah. shoot them with electricity or something. I mean, lightning. I mean, that happened. That happened. Yes, right. yes. But yeah, that was you do kind of go after the what the fuck oh poor Carlisle oh oh he didn't last long did he no no he's he's a lover not a fighter yeah that's something else too that I was reading when gathering information for my initial thoughts like there were some people who asked why did you make it end that way where literally nothing happened and she said that she did that because she wanted it to be a happy ending and that if she actually did make them fight, that literally 90% of them would die like on both sides. Well, I... It wouldn't work. And it's true because there were good fighters on both sides and everyone probably would have died. But you know how I feel about people dying in, in books? Like, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. No, I completely agree. And I think 
it I think it was the right decision that they walk away but I also think the way that the movie did it was better where Alice shows them what would have happened because it's I'm not saying that you have to have action in a movie, but you've you've literally spent the entire, especially with them part two, with Breaking Dawn part two, you've spent the entire time waiting for the Volturi to arrive and waiting for this big fight, knowing this big fight's going to happen. So in the book terms, it's book it's book three in in it, yeah, and nothing happens, and it's kind of like it's a bit of a wet fart. <laughs> Yeah, it's a letdown. Yeah, it's like okay, well, can, can we can we at least not have a slap fight? You know, a proper cat cat slap fight or something, but nothing happened. So I like the way um, the did the book the movie did it over the book because we had that we had that visualization. But I also think I don't think Stephanie Meyer is a strong enough writer to have been able to have actually put that fight into words. Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe... I love this series, I, but I understand the truth about the series and the author's capabilities. Yes. It's... Well, you know, now, you know, we, we've said multiple times with Twilight and then with Life and Death, even though we haven't discussed that one, you and I, on the podcast yet, and what? Midnight Sun, like, it was, it was third time. Third time is a charm. She's... Uh, she's written this world so many times that maybe now if she were to go back and write it again it would be much better yes i think she needs to the craft's been practiced a bit yes um, yeah i need to tell you one of my favorite scenes in the breaking door movies and it's, oh please it's an after credit scene from part one so i love the after you know, credits and it's okay so this build up to it okay so i'm watching it with my husband who does not like the series at all but he has graciously watched it with me (laughs) it helps when you have only one tv in the house um (laughs) and you know the end of part one and it ends with um bella's eyes opening red yes he argues that that is a perfect ending. They did not need to do part two. And I said, well, what about the Voltori? He went, people at this point have forgotten completely that the Voltori even exist. So you could have just not bothered and there would have been no problem. Like all of the the, the loose threads that were possibly there did not need to be done. He went, you did not need to have the scary... Renesmee bot come in part two yeah. you didn't have to have her at all um, at that point you didn't have to go through the imprinting you didn't have to have the Voltorio come in you didn't have to have any of that part two based on what he saw as a person who's never read the books would have been satisfying as an ending she's finally achieved vampirism Yes, that's it I was like okay I understand that and the credits start going and then the cuts to a little scene in Volterra. <laughs> and it's a very nervous human walking towards Aro. And it's about three of them. And she hands over a piece of paper. And <laughs> he looks at it. And he's just like, the spelling. So it's Carlisle with an S. <laughs> and then he hands the, the card over I think, to Gaius or something. And he's like, and the grammar is atrocious as well. 
And then the guards come and take her away. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and Volterra, bad spelling and grammar will get you eaten. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so good. Yeah, I love and that I just scene. Start laughing my head off. But ultimately, <laughs> Michael Sheen as Harrow is like the best casting. So yes. When he finally meets Renesmee in part two, and he's like, <laughs> Oh, I love his creepy giggling. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> Michael Sheen is the best thing that ever happened to Twilight. So good. When Esme touches his face, he's like... (gasps) I spent the entirety of part two watching it last night going, you know, in a post-COVID world, you would not be allowed to do that. I don't care if you're a vampire, you don't get diseases. I would be alcohol wipes, antibacterial gel everywhere. Because that's just nasty. Yeah, no. And also... I realise that's your, you know, preferred method of communication. But if you're going to get by in the day-to-day world, Renesmee, you need to use your voice. You are perfectly capable of articulating with your vocal cords. So articulate, please. Yes, please use your words. It's weird. Especially, I mean, I know that you're literally like three and a half weeks old and you're already grown into, you know, a six-year-old stature it's gross. You need to use your words. Stop touching people. You yeah. you can speak in complete sentences with correct grammar and spelling, so you need to. Yes. It's weird. It's weird. Um, do you know something that I forgot? And I guess I will have to say that it is my surprise, I guess. I forgot that... Noel at the end I forgot that he was venomous and that the entire reason that the Volturi left was to go after his incubus father <laughs> yeah I hadn't remembered that either I hadn't remembered he had um siblings either he, did, he had sisters I yeah now sisters. yep forgot all about that well it's because I mean we watched the movies more than we read the book and i don't even think noel has a name in the movie i don't think they call him by name i know they call the aunt i know they they call her name Wheelin or Wheelin or whatever it is but they don't i don't think they say his name i'm gonna go on imdb <laughs> i don't think it's said i don't think well, it's said i mean it's probably listed in the credits but i just i had just completely forgotten about that and like the whole thing is, you know, Alice and Jasper and the Takuna tribe, whatever, they all go off looking for this one person. It doesn't make sense that there's more than one and that literally nobody knows about it if there is someone out actively making hybrid children. Yeah, that's there's a, that's a lot of it taking place. I, yeah. It's it does kind of make me think: Is there somebody other than is there another group other than the the Volturi that might have more dominion over the South America? Maybe that we just don't know about. It doesn't exist in okay. So I've just checked IMDb as well, and he is credited as being owl. Yeah. Whether or not it's said, I, I don't think remember. that they say his name. 
Um, so who was your favorite character? We we didn't talk about that. Seth, probably in a serious sense. I also really liked Seth. I did. I, if I had to pick one person from the entire book that he was completely all... unproblematic. Yes. He was BFFs with Edward after their fight at the end of Eclipse. He understands that Bella is a newborn and like even though she literally threw him and dislocated his shoulder or whatever happened, he's like, Oh, it's okay. Like she's a brand new vampire. I understand. Like it's I, I just went through a whole training session where I learned about how newborn vampires act. I get it. It's fine. Shrug. Yeah. And then Carlisle sets his bones and then he's just fine. Yeah. He's the only one who seems to have any compassion for anybody like for everybody he's just a yeah. genuinely nice guy yeah I'll, he's embarrassed by his older sister fine sure. that's fair yes yes as is expected yeah but he also knows his own mind and takes responsibility for his own for his decisions yeah you know, when he leaves sam's pack to go to jacob's he he knows he's got the he out of everybody, he has the best sense of right and wrong. Yeah, and he is probably the most, like we're saying, non-judgmental, unbigoted member. He 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 sees Edward as a vampire, but doesn't see that the vampirism is everything. Yeah, he he just sees Edward as his friend, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's judged on actions and character yeah, and not on and species. No. And Seth realizes that the Cullens have done nothing but try to protect them and their families. And, you know, they want to keep everyone in Forks safe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think Seth's probably the MVP of the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if we're going to go movie... Yeah, Seth still, okay. But Michael Sheen is everything. Michael Just... Sheen is everything. Yes. He's perfection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Just also I he mean He was given a brief and he camped it up. Yes. Also, like as much as I hate him and he looks weird, Jamie Campbell Bauer as Caius at the end, like, just his line, his octopus line, I just love it. I love it so much. And he looks weird, but he's weird looking anyway. And I don't know. I just, I just appreciate it. There's so many, there's so many, like, names in this book. You know, we were talking earlier about Lee Pace being in it. Like, Lee Pace is kind of a big deal now, you know? And Michael Sheen is well, huge. And, that's it. So everybody's just, it's like a starting point for a lot of them. Oh, uh, Remy Malik is in it as well. Yes. Benjamin. Yes. God, I love him too. He's amazing. Um, and you know what I just love? Can I just say his name out loud? Um, Seth's real name is Boo Boo Stewart. His name is Boo Boo. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's good. So good. I think 
I'm curious to see how the Twilight television show is going to be different. Yeah. What do you, what are you going to change? How, who's going to be in it? How's that going to go? I'm just I'm very curious. I honestly hope that given the current political climates and social climates they really do a readjustment on the um gatekeeping aspect. It worries me that they keep it in and all of the problematic aspects of the like obsessive relationship and the way that Jacob te- it is an assault on Bella, the way that Charlie laughed about it. Yeah. The, the lack of respect for Bella's autonomy and um wants. I hope that is readdressed. I'm not saying, you know, I don't know. It, it, the, Twilight, the Twilight Saga is known as having problematic aspects. Yes, so let's just fix all the problems and, the and then it'll be fine. It. Yes. The need to modernize it because you cannot have young girls again going in and thinking that this is fine. It's not. Yeah, it's not. So I hope that happens. But I also hope that Smoking Hot Billy Burke plays Charlie again. <laughs> I love Smoking Hot Billy Burke cl- slash Charlie. Did you have any surprises or can we move on to Would You Rather? Is it time now? This episode is going to be seriously three hours long. Six. Yeah. But I think um, if I was going to say what my biggest surprise is, that no one else thought to look at any copies of The Merchant of Venice after Alice's Note. Like, why would you leave a note on a book cover and not follow up with that? It's like nobody else apart from Bella. Ah, I'd best go and check to see where this is really. You're all intelligent people. Yeah, especially with Alice having her craft room. You know she's got her own hand-created stationery. Oh, she's got like an entire closet of stationery. Yeah, and she's got, like, a collection of cool calligraphy pens and all yes. of this stuff. So why would she rip the copyright page from the Merchant of, Merchant of Venice? Why would that even? No, it doesn't make sense. And it's not like, oh, well, this is the only thing I could find. Like, nah, nah, dog. No, nah, dog. No, this, Somebody... is the, this is before mobile phones were popular as well, so that no doubt Carlisle would be the type of person to have a notepad and pen by the phone. Of course. And one on the refrigerator, even though they don't use refrigerators, but they pretend to be human. So, yeah, there would be notepads all over the place. Yes, with fake shopping lists. Bread, milk, other human things. Eggs. Eggs. And other human things. Yes, I like that. (laughs) Bread, milk, eggs, and other human things. Yes, it's my favorite shopping list. (laughs) Okay. Is it time? Can we play Would You Rather now? Yes. (laughs) We asked on social media, would you rather stare at the creepy Renesmee bot or be constantly touched by her on the face? (laughs) Unsurprisingly, on Facebook, 72% said stare. 80% on Instagram said stare. Twitter was 67% and TikTok, the deviants, 
52% of them want to be constantly touched on the face by her. This is why they're going to shut it down. Annie on Facebook said, I haven't read it yet. We'll be reading this week, but those memes of her hands creep me out. Yes. Yeah, we picked some really... Pick some really good photos for our would you rather question this week. Oh, Colin on Facebook says there's no way in hell I'm letting that cursed object anywhere near my face or any other part of me. I'll put it under observation in a specialty in a specially built facility so that there's always at least three people staring at it so it can't weeping angel its way up in anyone's face. Creepy little murder bot. Yes. If you have not watched that Doctor Who episode, you've at least heard of that Doctor Who episode. Of course, yes. Coral on Facebook said, no, touchy, touchy. (laughs) Emily on Facebook said, that Renesmee robot was too creepy for me. I love the Renesbot. I want it in my home. Ew. And Crystal on Facebook said, no, thanks, I'm good. Just just no to both. Nope. (sighs) Bree on Facebook said, The creepy bot is possessed. I'd rather get cheek pats and have arrow giggle fits at her until her parents slash guardians get sick of it and eat me. <laughs> and Drew on Facebook said, Renesmia would offer no mercy in things she would show me, so I'm going to stare. Now, see, my favorite part is that you called her Renesme. However, Drew referred to her as rotisserie. Because her the name is so bad, and then Drew spell check yay, and then Drew later also commented on Twitter and called her Chuck Esme. I just love how Drew refuses to call Renesme by her real name. It's a disgusting name. <laughs> Sorry to anybody called Renesme. Is anybody uh, called Renesme? I mean, if they are now, it's because of Twilight, and that's just gross. Although, that reminds me, I, I met a kiddo in the library the other day who's called Finnick after Finnick O'Dare in The Hunger Games. And I can respect that because Sam Claflin is beautiful and Finnick was a very good character. Do you want, another, do you want, do you want some Renesmee name popularity facts? Oh, no. Yeah, I guess so. 2023. It's number 528 in the girls' names. It's up 488. These statistics are freaking scary, but basically the name is growing in popularity. No. There's a graph. No. At Ashy Lockie on Twitter said, Ew, stare, please. I don't even want to be constantly touched by my own kids, and they're adorable and only creepy in a creative way. Uh, and the tour Malene Renegade on Instagram said, Stare, obviously. Wouldn't want to be touched by a creep. Just that. <laughs> oh, um, we had a couple of comments from the library as well, and they both also went with staring. Um, one says, Neither option is good, but at least I won't have to have something touching me. And the other one said, Face touching of any kind is a no-go so i'll have to stare i just no i want to stare at the renesbot because i love the renesbot more than anything and like i said earlier i want to have the renesbot i want to own it i want to have it in my home 
I love the Renez pot. You would have to have a web camera on it at all times. Well, sure. I mean, she would be kept in a glass case. She would escape from the glass case. I love her. That thing's haunted. It is haunted as fuck. I am not letting that thing touch me. I will look at it and then I will set it on fire. I will do a Jane. I will have a bonfire and then I will just fling it on the bonfire. Throw the creepy baby into it. Throw the creepy baby on the fire. It is not touching me. (laughs) I'll use tongs as well so I don't even have to touch it. (laughs) Just stare. Season my soul. Oh. After. oh it does okay so i just realized that we have too many questions so i'm i got rid of one and i'm gonna ask one that has to do with powers it has to do with powers in the series and we know that there are a lot of vampires that show up and a lot of them have special gifts so um i went through a list that i found on the internet and picked probably the two worst gifts that I could find. And now you have to choose which one you want. So would you rather have Marcus's power to sense relationships between people that you can't literally see with your own eyes that people share a relationship or have Alistair's power to sense any living thing and their distance in relation to him but it's not super clear and so if he finds someone and knows where they are he still it still takes him a long time to figure out where exactly they are (laughs) it's not a good power these are not good powers so which do you choose alistair's i don't need to see people's relationships you know, the only the only time that is interesting is when you're like, oh, there's something between you two. You just turned into this great big drama. And I cannot uh... be asked with drama 90% of the time. So, you know, unless it's like you talk about spilling the tea, nah, I'm not interested. I, I don't need to know people's relationships. That's private, personal, you know, whatever. Imagine if you found, you, you could see blatantly that somebody was having an affair with somebody else. And you know all three people in that. It's just that's a crappy situation to be in. It's like, yeah, have mystical magical vampire powers, and you see her cheating on there with them, and that. No, you don't want that. No, I don't want to know that. That's so instead, I'm so instead, use you... Alistair's really rubbish power to sense any living thing and their distance relationship to, to him, and I'm going to turn it into some kind of like really terrible. Sunday afternoon style TV program where I'm going to find like dead bodies and missing puppies and things. Yeah, but you just know how far away they are in distance. So it's like, okay, Claire, I can sense that you're living and I know that you are approximately 3,000 miles away from me, but I have no fucking idea where in which direction you are 3,000 miles away from me. I just know that you are approximately 3,000 miles away. Well, that's why on the opening credits scene, as it does like the, the, you know, it tells you what the TV program, the name of the TV program, it's going to have a map and then it'll have like one of those pinpoints in the middle and then it'll just draw a circle all the way around. So the pinpoint in the middle is me and the circle all the way around is where the people potentially are. And then the entire episode is me just going around that circle trying to find them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Genius, Netflix, call me. Oh, it's so bad. What layer mask power are you getting? Oh, I'm definitely picking Alistair's pointless power. Because I need to know that you we are... We can triangulate. However... Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> bad. It's bad. It's oh, let's just move on. <laughs> Would you rather be in Jacob's pack or Sam's pack? Um, I, I think I would rather be in Jacob's pack. Um, I feel like Sam has a little bit too much control over his pack. And I don't, I don't want that. I mean, he made them like bow down to him. I don't want that. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to side with Jacob. I'm going to go on Jacob's pack as well just because that's where Seth is and it means that you know you can pal around with Seth for a bit. Right, yeah. Yes, I think that is yeah, we can be BFFs with Seth. We can not have to bow down to Sam and his weirdness. And the weird thing with Leah and Emily and everybody imprinting on the children. I don't want to be inv- involved in any of that. So, yeah. No. Jacob. Yeah. Jacob. Pick and Jacob. Pick and Jacob. Okay. Oh, speaking no. of Jacob. Speaking of Jacob. Oh, no. Um, I have a secret question. It is <laughs> perhaps my favorite would-you-rather question that I have ever asked in the history of Would You Rather and the history of Fictional Hangover. Oh, it's going to be awful. <sighs> I'm not going to want to answer this, am I? No. Would you rather your best friend explain why it's not like that about sexually liking your baby or your best friend take off all his clothes in front of your dad and show him his dick, both human and wolf? Easy, best friend, take off his clothes in front of your dad and show him his dick, both human and wolf, because both people in that situation are grown ass adults. <laughs> the first half is just fucking nasty. And if that situation happened, I would not have a best friend who was alive. And I would be in jail for murder. Or no court in this world would commit would would convict me for that. There you go. <laughs> Very good. It's gross. It's gross. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Feel shame. I'm going to put this question down to low blood sugar. I love my question. <laughs> there is no excuse for this question. <laughs> no excuse. You should feel ashamed. I think it's perfectly reasonable question. Uh-huh. We'll let the Court of Vampire Book Club decide. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel about just whipping dicks out and showing them to people, though. <laughs> whipping dicks. I mean, I, I feel like... 
I feel like that's that's more sexually inappropriate because you've physically taken your physical dick out of your pants and shown it to someone. Whereas in the Renesmee situation, he just sexually likes your baby. He hasn't oh, no. sexually ass- assaulted no. your baby. No. But but with but with Smoke Not Billy Burke slash Charlie, he pulled his dick out. He took off his clothes, exposed his entire naked body to a man who did not want to see his entire naked body and then turned into a wolf and probably showed around his wolf dangle dick to him as well. Nobody wants to see that many dicks. No. <laughs> but we're also not involving children in this. Can we please just move on? It's a horrible question. <laughs> Fine, it's fine. All of it's terrible. None of it should be done. But no, I can't even finish it. It's disgusting. I regret it. But I don't regret it. But I do regret it because it should never have been written in the first place. Yes. Let's keep that in mind. Did you answer that? <laughs> I'm too. I'm too. Like, what the freak? <laughs> I don't know if you answered. I did. I did. And I they're both inappropriate, but I went with I went with showing off the dick because the child is not involved. But also that's Can really we see a dingle dangle because I dick. really I really appreciate the dingle dangle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, dingle dangle is what it is from now on. <laughs> What's your question? Is it worse than mine? Mine is based off the movie. So this is, I can't remember who, I think this is actually after watching part one and it was from a snide comment that the husband made. Okay. And to be fair, we're both making those comments all the way through. So it's very, it's not even really Twilight related. You are vengeance. (laughs) Would you rather be Vigilante Edward or Vigilante Bruce Wade? Well, obviously, I'm going to pick Edward because that's a vampire. That's the end of that question. Move on. Because vampire. But I do love how much eye makeup he wears as Bruce Wayne. And regardless, you're rich anyway. You've got a hidden identity. Yeah. I'm still going to go with... You're both affiliated with bats in some form or another. Yeah, I'm I'm still going to go with Edward because vampire. True. I mean, I don't need to say anything. Other There's no that, reason. So There's no. no reason why we should ask no. or we should have any trouble answering that question because vampire. <laughs> because vampire. Because vampire. <laughs> okay. Favorite final thought quote? Uh... Do you have any? Yeah. Because don't forget that I also have the final original series tallies of murmur, mutter, and grimace. So don't forget that those exist. Well, let's. Let, I'm gonna. I'll quickly give you my five favorite final. Five. Five. Okay. And then okay. you can give us the do yours, and then give us the totals to round okay. off the conversation. Sure. Okay. Did you know that I told you so? Was has a brother, Jacob. His name is Shut the Hell Up. <laughs> you nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness monster. No. I'm a little worried about Edward. Can vampires go into shock? 
you got food in my hair. I just thought that was hilarious. And my last one. Stop being so optimistic. It's getting on my nerves. No problem. Do you want me to be all gloom and doom or just shut up? Just shut up. Can do. Really? Doesn't seem like it. Oh, Seth. Seth, 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 Seth. Okay, what are yours? And then we'll have our tallies. Okay. I felt like, like, I don't know what. Like, this wasn't real. Like, I was in some goth version of a bad sitcom. Instead of being the <laughs> AV dweeb about to ask the head cheerleader to the prom, I was the finished second place werewolf about to ask the vampire's wife to shack up and procreate. Nice. I love it. <laughs> Say what you want. I still think Dracula 1 and Dracula 2 are creeptacular. <laughs> Why are all my quotes from Jacob? Oh, except for this one. Artifice! <laughs> Especially the movie version. Artifice! And then you watch Stranger Things and you go, yes, I can see it now. Yes! Well, it, it's thinking out of Twilight, so of course he's going to be the bad guy. Of course. Spoilers. Um, I also appreciate Jacob, my brother, my son. <laughs> Is it too soon to start calling me dad? Um, Also, just just to wrap it up and to segue into our next thing. Don't be afraid, I murmured. We belong together. (laughs) So, So, we have the final murmurs mutters and grimace yes we have we have our our total okay so in this book in breaking dawn we only grimaced 13 times so the total for the original series is 77 now i feel like they were grimacing all over the place in throughout the entire series but it's only 77 grimaces so mutter in this book we muttered 59 times so the total for the original series is 270 mutters oh my god that's just nasty learn to enunciate people jeez it's gonna get worse isn't it it's gonna get worse it is gonna get worse tell by your face in breaking dawn we murmured 111 times. Oh! Bringing the total for the original series to 282 murmurs. Freaking heck. That's terrible. That is terrible. That's That's terrible writing. It's not good. There are other words you can use other than murmur, but nope, murmur. That's awful. Thanks, I hate it. I thought you would. It's all right. Arrow will kill her for bad spelling and grammar and Yes, it's (laughs) fine. 
Okay, if you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I actually found a vampire book. Oh, wow. That this far is a standalone, and it only came out in March this year. Okay, fantastic. We um, love a I'm good standalone. Co- yes, I'm trying to get a collection of them, so, you know, we have vampire book books. <laughs> and it's called In Nightfall by Suzanne Young. Theo and her brother Marco threw the biggest party of the year and got caught. Their punishment? Leave Arizona to spend the summer with their grandmother in the rainy beachside town of Nightfall, Oregon. Population 846 souls. Can you see the tenuous link so far? The small town is cute when it's not raining, but their grandmother is superstitious and strangely antisocial. Upon their arrival, she lays out one house rule. Always be home before dark. But Theo and Marco are determined to make the most of their summer, and on their first day they meet the enigmatic Minnow and her friends. Beautiful and charismatic, the girls have a magnetic pull that Theo and her brother can't resist. But Minnow and her friends are far from what they appear. And that one rule, Theo quickly realises she should have listened to her grandmother, because after dark something emerges in the nightfall, and it doesn't plan to let her leave. It was penned as like a lost boys book for girl with girls. Oh. Okay. I mean, it's vampires. I'll read it. Well, exactly, of course. But yeah, I was like, oh my god, that actually sounds really fun. Um. So the one that I'm gonna suggest, I'm surprised that we haven't suggested it already. In fact, I thought we did, but I searched. I searched our past vampire episodes and didn't see that we've actually talked about this one yet, so I'm going to suggest Crave by Nancy Wolf. And my summary is not necessarily a summary, it's just a, a short description, but I got it from shereads.com. Grace is a mere mortal at the Academy, struggling to find where she fits in among the factions. Jackson is a vampire who keeps to himself, and for good reason. He's hiding more than one deadly secret. But for Grace, his unapproachable attitude is intriguing. If she pursues him and the secrets he protects, it could spell disaster for everyone in this book. Like Twilight. I, just, I can't believe we haven't talked about those because, it, you know, the covers are very reminiscent of the Twilight covers and there's at least four of them out now. I don't know if that's the end, but I mean, there's a ton of them. So I just I can't believe we haven't talked about them yet. But there it is. Yeah, it's probably one of these series where we've mentioned it, thought about it, but then something else is coming along. Yeah. Which is on par. I just checked as well in Nightfall. I remember it being penned as something lost girl, lost boys, but with girls. It's mm-hmm. Buffy meets the lost girl, lost boys with girls. Okay. Yes. On board. Yes. So, yeah. I had to clarify that because it Thank was bugging me. It's very important. Um, <laughs> it is. Do you have any new or indie spotlights this week? Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, so I found this one. It's called Our Own Unique Affliction. It's by Scott Moses, and it 
is out April 26th. So exceptionally new. Exceptionally Ooh. new. Yes. In 18... As of recording, it hasn't even happened. Yes. It's... But as of release date, it has happened. Is that right? I don't know what days of the week are. It doesn't matter. In 1831, young Alice Ann and her older sister, Hannah Grace, are turned into vampires by a drifter who kills their parents and flees, leaving the girls with only each other to lean on as they navigate a world they no longer belong in. Over the years, they develop some systems. To avoid detection, they keep a low profile and travel from city to city with human companions known as Wranglers, who protect them during daylight. It's a simple enough existence, though Alice Ann finds her vampiric powers are not always a fair trade for the ability to walk in the sunshine. When one of their kind leaves a victim on the street with her throat torn out, Alice Ann must find the reckless, responsible vampire. And what she learns undoes everything she understands about the world. Ooh. And that comes out on the day this fine podcast is released to your ear holes. That is amazing. Everyone check it out. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss a much shorter book, Garlic and the Witch by Brie Paulson. We just loved Garlic and the Vampire so much. We had to we had we had to talk about the next one. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.